Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Build a Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build a Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Build-A-Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build-A-Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. Don't miss the Contractors Coalition Summit. You can go to ContractorsCoalitionSummit.com and join us in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th. This is going to be an incredible event. Again, for all of you builders and designers looking to take your business to the next level to learn about all things, systems, organization, pricing, social media, marketing, how to be a better business owner, all the things that we wish we knew as early business owners many years ago. We're going to speak about that. Also give you a Dropbox with all the content, including contracts and other documents that we're using, as well as KPIs, key performance indicators. So don't miss it. It's a huge opportunity. Some amazing vendors will be there as well that you can network with. So again, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th, 2024 in Minneapolis. Go to ContractorsCoalitionSummit.com. The relationships happen in the conversation, but the conversation requires two or more people. They got to be doing more than making mouth noise. (laughs) Basic but ultimate cheat code. If more noise is coming out of your mouth than the person in front of you, you're not listening. (laughs) Like super simple, very easy. So welcome to the podcast today. Very excited. We have Jesse Hernandez on with us. Welcome, Jesse. How you doing, Mr. Brad? I'm excited. Um, Hopefully I'm not too amped up and don't just ramble (laughs) on and on. I'm hoping you'll be able to wrangle me back in. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you wrangled in, but it's pretty easy. Our guests are always incredible. And uh, I think so we don't get in trouble with your mom. I, I better, his formal name's Jesus, but we'll go by Jesse. So got to not stay in the doghouse to start. So, Dude, you've already scored points. I'm going to tell you, you're like, my mom. no, mom is going to say, that guy is my favorite because you actually said, I love it, brother. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. Well, to dive in, just uh, Jesse, he's an author, Becoming the Promise You Are Intended to Be and founder of Depth Builder LLC, which we'll get into on some of the expertise you have to offer, Jesse. But maybe I start here, which low-hanging fruit for you, being an expert in this, but what separates good communicators? Oh, (laughs) dude. Okay. I think the core number one thing that separates good communicators is listening. Um, And like, I'm going to add like a little subnote to that. It's not the generic active listening, repeating back, modeling, or mirroring their behavior. Like that can be done, but that's like super mechanical, super tactical. When I talk about listening, I mean, like understanding where the person's coming from in such a way that there's a connection form. And so 
like listening for the little story that they're telling themselves behind the statements that they're making, understanding where their pain or interest or uh, discomfort might be coming from and continuing down a path of like asking curious questions for the sake of better understanding the individual and what it is they're trying to communicate. Now, the other element to this listening as I see it is not just taking in the noise or taking in the words and the message. It's also taking action on what message I receive. And so when somebody is communicating to me that, or to us as leaders, that there's a pain point in the business or there's a, there's a wrinkle in the force, right? Like teams aren't getting along or there's some kind of deal. A demonstration of the fact that I actually listened is me taking action to mitigate the less than awesome situation that the person is experiencing. Does that make sense? No, it does. And I think maybe to build on this, I think this is just being open. Maybe one of my personal struggles is that, um, and maybe it's just a, an issue with some of us males in general, but I hear an issue and immediately I want to solve it. Like, and yes. so, it, you know, and so I find, and the feedback I've been given is that a lot of times I may seem like my attention spans short because I'm hearing it and then I just want to solve it and move on to the next problem. Right. And you know, we're all busy. And so you, you kind of lead to this important aspect that really demonstrating good listening skills and communication skills means you're going to take action. However, there's a step there that I occasionally miss. And maybe this is the part where I wrote down, and he said, curious questions. And so how can you become more, I don't want to say authentic, but more skilled in the curious questions and to really diagnose it before you're like, okay, let's take action. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, I love it. So uh, maybe first, maybe framing it or drawing a delineation between transactional listening and relational listening. Right. And so if I put the, I hear something, I'm going to solve it. I'm going to put that in the transact transactional box, right? Like you said something, I'm a leader and as a leader, we've been conditioned to solve problems quickly because our time is compressed. We're the leader and we're supposed to know everything, right? <laughs> um, in the relational box, it's really, again, back to the forming the connection, deepening the connectivity with the individual in front of me, because here's how I feel. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. I know I'm sensitive, but here's how I feel when people do that to me, when I say, and, and here's the other thing. It's like most of the time, I am not asking for a solution. I am sharing my thinking so I can get clear on my thinking. And so when I'm doing that and somebody says, well, you know what? You should do X. I, in that moment, I feel judged, right? Like this person just assumed that I don't have the capacity to think about what I could do about it. Um, and they have just set themselves as the authority and minimize whatever it is I'm bringing to the table. Like I said, I know I'm a little um, delicate, but that's kind, that's what's at risk when we jump to solutionizing. It's like a solution shank. I didn't ask you for the help. We were talking, we're having a conversation, and you immediately jumped in and gave me your answer. Uh, and, and that, again, that's a natural response because of the way we've been conditioned as leaders, et cetera. Uh, and so one easy I say simple, but super, super hard thing to do is like, maybe first ask, like, 
do you want a solution or are you venting, brainstorming? Like, what's the context of this conversation? Right. Get a clarifying question out there um, to to set the tone. What are the rules of engagement here? If you do want an answer, cool, hit me and we'll give you an answer. If you want to bounce some ideas and kind of think through things, awesome. Let me know. So now I know now I'm better prepared to like keep my mouth shut with all my brilliant wisdom and answers and just ask interested questions. And when I say interested questions, that's very specifically like open-ended questions. An interested question would be, Brad, why did you start a podcast? Right? Or if somebody comes to me with the situation and, and we'll say in a formal arrangement where I'm the supervisor, I'm the leader, and they've got a problem and they're bringing it to me, I can ask, like, what have you tried? What are you thinking about? Right. So these types of questions start forming a connect connection because I'm signaling interest in the individual as in what did you think about? What have you considered? And like the magical thing is what it does is it reintroduces people to their agency. So if I'm the manager or I'm the leader, supervisor, business leader, and I'm asking these types of questions, I'm letting people keep ownership of their problem. I'm not taking it away from them. I am saying, where are you on it? What have you thought about it? What have you considered? And a lot of times they will get to the answer themselves. They didn't need me to give them the answer, meaning they are capable of, we'll say, crafting the answer or a countermeasure to their problem. It's our job as leaders to facilitate them accessing their agency to do so. Is that what do you think? Yeah, I think that's incredible because the way you broke that down, Jesse, I think, again, just to the rules of engagement, I thought was an interesting term because so many times just when they're coming in, and, and I think this applies to any relationship, friendship, marriage, business, I mean, 100%. anything, right? It's like, yes. are, are we having a conversation about venting? Or are we having a conversation about problem solving? You know, and, and essentially, if you can, okay, here's the context of it, you're going to have a different, you know, perspective or adaptation to the conversation and the problem at hand. And, and to your point, the engaging part where you're probing and probing and asking questions and essentially kind of game planning and coordinating together instead of just giving the answer. Because as you mentioned, I, I found that too, where I tend to just solve it and say the answer. And, but when I'm on the other side, I don't want someone just to say that either. You know, there wants to, you need to have some discovery there. You got it. Now, so two other points, which as you were talking, kind of came to mind. One is think about sales <laughs> or business development, right? If somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, I've got this thing. And, and I say, well, let me show you for $9.99, right? Like that's kind of what it feels like, or that's what people expect in, in a, like a sales engagement. Um, but if they come to me with a situation and I continue to ask deeper, more curious and interested questions, what that does to me as the entrepreneur is it gives me vast amounts of intel to really understand how I can serve the person in front of me in far deeper manners, far more meaningful ways. Um, but I have to like detach from my ego and my interest in closing the deal and really understand that the situation that person is experiencing and finding out what other little tricks, tricks and cheat codes I have, they could bring value to them, whether they, we make the sale or not, right? Like I can serve and provide and deliver value after I've discovered 
the type of value that would benefit them. The only way to discover that is through the interested and the curious questions. Now, as a supervisor, when my like go-to mode is to give answers, solutionize, solution shank, what I end up doing is I find myself, and maybe you've experienced this, <laughs> I find myself surrounded by people that can't make a damn decision, that don't take initiative, like they they it's always they become very dependent and the funny thing is i created that dynamic right by them coming to me all the time with the problem and me immediately solutionizing and telling them what they should do it gives them license to turn off their critical thinking and just come to me with their solution or with their problems and i have to be uh, the solver of all things and when I am the solver of all things, guess what I'm not doing? I'm not thinking about my business. I'm not thinking long-term perspective. I become, I'm in the weeds all the time, putting out fires. And my role as the leader is to be strategic and find ways to help develop people's capabilities. But I can't do that if I'm giving people all the answers all the time. So it's like ultimately critical, I think, or maybe I'll say it this way. For me, when I finally, which wasn't too long ago, but when I finally made the tra transition and, and found a practice of asking interested questions, being curious, um, understanding the person's thinking in front of me, all of a sudden the band, there was like this hidden bandwidth that became available to me because I wasn't around getting distracted by all the time bandits all the time because they knew they could make a decision. They would come to me, hey, just here's this thing. and because of the repetitive nature of the types of questions I would ask, like, what have you considered? What are you thinking about? What have you tried? They would filter through that before coming to me. And then they'd say, hey, here's the situation. I'm thinking about this. What are, do you have anything else? Can, should we add something? Or how do you feel about me moving forward on this? Boom. Now we can get, now we like, now we're cooking with fire. I really love that. And and there's a couple of points there because um, the solver of all things I want to come back to, but what's interesting on the sales side that you brought up early in the conversation here is you said discovering value with these curious questions, because I found just as it relates to me in construction, I found that with customers, you know, ideally we want to do every project, right. And the competitive, you want to win every job and every opportunity, right? And and but sometimes the job may not be ideal for us or the customer because we may not be the perfect fit, right? And yes, yeah. And for that reason, that as we're discovering and figuring out, okay, this may not be a good fit, and now we put them in the right place, even if the product's not ours, right? The value add pays itself in big dividends later. It may not be at the initial sales process, but it could be down the road or word of mouth or communication. I mean, you, you put that good energy out there and it's amazing how things come back. Man, relationships, right? Like that, The I, I can't remember which book I read it in, but the relationships happen in the conversation, but the conversation requires two or more people and they gotta do, they gotta be doing more than making mouth noise. <laughs> they have to be listening. And here's another like basic, but ultimate cheat code. If you're kind of early on and trying to figure out like, what the hell is this listening thing? A simple way to kind of do a, a create your own feedback loop is get a gauge of how much airtime you're filling, right? Like if you're talking more 
if more noise is coming out of your mouth than the person in front of you, you're not listening. <laughs> like super simple, very easy. And, and, you know, my friend Jennifer Lacey, she pointed this one out to me. She's like, you know, the thing with um, listening and like communicating or talking, delivering the message is I can't learn anything when I'm talking. <laughs> right. I only learn when I'm not talking and when I'm listening. And of course, that engages the deeper questions to kind of get in there and get rich have that rich, rich connection. So for, for me, people come like, Hey, you're a lean guy, lean construction guy. We need some lean stuff. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. Which is, uh, you, you know, right. That's a big, broad thing. Um, I early on, I'm like, sure, I'm on my way. I'm going to come and be lean without understanding anything about the problem that they were dealing with, about the dynamics of their team, about their readiness for the crazy wild stuff that I like to do. Um, I, I was just showing up and saying, we're going to do all these things. And they're like, wait a minute, that's not what we wanted. And so with the curious questions, I say, ah, okay, I understand what you're looking for. And the, would this type of thing kind of, does it feel like it's going to fit and address the thing you're trying to target? Yeah, absolutely. Great. I'm not the best source for that, but I know two people. Let me send you their contact information and they're, they're going to be able to give you what exactly you're looking for, because I'm not the best guy for that. And to your point, what am I doing? Now I've got a relationship, right? I, I, they, I have earned or maybe even cultivated trust with the individual by asking the questions and subjugating my need or want to be the smartest person in the conversation. And, and there's no substitute. I mean, going back to the relationship side, I mean, that, that every industry is built on relationships and there's unique advantages to having great relationships with those around you, right? And going back to when you mentioned the solver of all things, it, it reminded me one of my early guests, Justin Newman, I think he was one of my first 10 guests, but um, he had a very interesting perspective, right? He He's a president at a big organization, big commercial firm. And so there's a lot of layers of management, right? And one of the questions I'd asked him, and it was on the episode, but he, I said, you know, one common thing is entrepreneurships grow. So, so they start small, they're doing everything, they grow their company, start hiring. Well, what ends up happening, you, you do end up starting having managers and middle management, whatever, and, but some of them skip them and they go to the owner because you've always been making the decisions the whole time. And so I remember asking him, I'm like, this seems to be a common theme, especially in construction with small companies, you know, that it... And he said, well, this is how I solve that. I have really talented VPs under me. So when mm. a superintendent or a coordinator or an estimator or whoever it was would come to me with a problem or an issue, I'd always say, that's an interesting question. Did you ask Heather about that? You know, who's the yes. VP? Did you ask Jason about that, the VP? And then the person would always say, oh, no, that's a good question. And so it was training, right, to get them yes. to understand that mindset. Absolutely. And I mean, that takes like huge discipline to build that habit because that person probably was out there in the field doing things, making things happen quick, 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 quick. And again, so like the industry, especially construction, like we don't have time for anything. We don't even have time to do the damn work. <laughs> but so <laughs> quick, quick, quick. And so to like the awareness of, man, I got to do this differently. Let me hire some people to like manage or be the support system for those specific things because i need to focus on other things and actually doing that saying have you talked to so and so 
Like that's a hard, our in, it takes a break in um, our instinctual response to answer. But we have to recondition people because we're so used to that. You know, I'll also add that often, well, maybe I was, the, the story's better, right? So when I was a foreman and superintendent for mechanical contractor, I was the answer. I knew everything, brother. The only time I asked you a question or really the only reason I asked you a question is because I was going to, I had a brilliant answer to my own question. And I just wanted to make it seem like I was drawing you or inviting you into the conversation. Um, and, <laughs> um, and so I would get attacked all the time. And to actually stop and ask a question took a tremendous, tremendous amount of effort. And I, the pendulum swung for me. And so what I mean by that, I went from always giving answers, always being the solutionizer to always asking open-ended questions. And that was a dramatic experience for the people that I had been managing and leading for years. Cause they're like, what in the world is going on, bro? Like you're just asking me all these open-ended. And so the point is they really didn't know how to respond to the autonomy of, or maybe to adapt to more autonomy because that's what I was effectively doing, right? It's by not giving them the answer and telling them what to do. I was introducing them to autonomy. Uh, and and <laughs> there was one guy, I was coaching him and he said, yes, can you stop with the Jedi BS and just tell me what the hell to do? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. And so I share that story because, you know, as leaders in, in Jesse land, anyways, as leaders, our primary responsibility is to coach people. And by coach, I mean, develop their problem solving capabilities. That's what we need to do, period. And so when I'm coaching somebody, there is the coaching scale which on one end of that like sliding scale is telling people what the hell to do. Because if somebody's on the edge of a damn roof and they ain't tied off, I don't need to open-ended question them back to safety. I need to grab them by the collar, yank them in, and tell them what the hell to do, imminent danger. Now on the other end, people that have built the skill and have some influence and authority within the business, it's more, more appropriate to ask open-ended questions. And depending on who it is I'm dealing with, their capability or competency on the skill activity task, I've got to find out where they are on that scale and meet them right there um, to have maybe to incite like dramatic growth and change within the organization. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. 
And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their their company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. I love that. And I, I think the point you made, the effort to ask questions, there's a true effort, right? Because going back to that example I gave and that you just built on, Jesse, is that it's it's so much easier because we may know the answer to just answer it for that person. Yes. Of training or asking the question back and putting in that effort to say, okay, even though I may know the answer, I'm going to step away because they need to go to so-and-so before and and resolve this i I think that's one one of the blind spots we have as leaders and entrepreneurs in your experience working with businesses and companies i mean common blind spots that most of us have whether in leadership or communication i mean we spoke about a couple i mean any others come to mind yeah so two I'll, i'll point at two one is the one we've been talking about because you know i've had the fortune of working as i came up as a plumber working in the trades uh, I did that for like the first 20 years of career of my career, working with big, gigantic GC, uh, working with owners. Uh, and like the two commonalities are this one. <laughs> and now as an independent consultant, right? One is their ability to listen <laughs> and build the capabilities within their people. Huge. All the time. Doesn't matter their level of uh, education. Doesn't matter the whether they're managing a billion dollar business or a 10 million dollar business it happens all the time the other is the assumption that the solution to the business problem is the same as mitigating their frustration with the outcomes that they're experiencing and so what that means is when I have a problem and I'm working in a business or a company team, doesn't matter. I'm experiencing some pain from a jacked up processor system. And my pain is acute and it's the only pain I can experience. And so all my solutions to that thing are only relevant to me. And so they don't account for the pain that everybody else is experiencing around the problem. And you can bet your money, baby, that if you're experiencing pain from that problem, there's other people in the value stream in that system that are also experiencing pain from that problem. And so as a business leader, it's very easy for me to say, this keeps happening. You, wherever the break in the system is, the person that's closest to it, it's very easy for me to say, hey, you need to stop doing it this way and do it that way so that it makes my life better. That's not what we say. But that's what our actions um, actually make happen. And so without like really going in and understanding the the pain perspective from each of the stakeholders of that problem or that break in the situation, 
any solution that we deploy is unsustainable. But we do that, like that is our go-to all the time, every time. Effective immediately, thou shalt. <laughs> and, and then we're frustrated because people just don't, there's no accountability, you know, all, all of that thing static. And as a leader, we're the source of it, but we're blind to it. We can't see it. That's incredible. And I was just, you know, making a note here when you're talking about the solution relevant to the company. And what's interesting is um, relation, you know, the solution that's relatable to the individual, to the company. I mean, there's so many things to take into consideration. As you're mentioning, that solution may solve, put a bandaid on the current issue for this individual person, but can it add to more complexity to the company? Can it create more issues? Can it create more cogs in the wheel, right? Um, yep. And, and that's where it's really important that, you know, as leaders too, because we may have someone come to us with an issue that's individual to them or this project and helping them understand that there may be a different solution and how it impacts the greater scheme, right? And the goal of the company and the direction we're going. And th that part, can, I can completely understand um, how important that is as a leader of an organization. Now, the implementation and communication and the listening and, you know, getting yes. a result, that's a whole different story. You know, I agree. It, it, like it's a long road and you absolutely have to be playing the, the long game for this type of uh, transformation, I'll say, in terms of listening and this, a, a different approach to problem solving. Um, and I'll tell I'll also add that <laughs> at the core of it is the ability to listen and form deep connection. Right. So. I'm on a job site. What usually happens where there's, you know, a hiccup in the schedule or whatever, I get a call and they're like, Hey Jess, we need you to come check out, like study the bricklayer. <laughs> I'm like, okay, why, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. I already know, like, sure. The bricklayer is where the break in the system is surfacing. That is not where it started. <laughs> so yeah. I will always spend time with the leadership team, like the construction management team, to see how they're functioning, see how they're communicating, see how they're receiving, um, see how they're planning. And then of course, I'm gonna go study the bricklayer. And the, the, the situation is always all of the above. And most of the um, culprits to the situation are the planners, the people up top, right? Because we're not spending any time listening. Now, I'll say this, I haven't proven it definitively, but I have seen in the last three years, because I've shifted my focus entirely, mostly towards helping people break the solutionizer habit and, and learn how to ask interested questions. If you don't do that, it makes all the other types of like really meaningful problem solving way more difficult because people are used to us showing up and chastising them. Like, Leadership management for a leadership or a manager or a leader or manager to come out and ask somebody how they're doing, what's going on with their work. It's not natural for somebody to say, well, you know, I'm doing all right, but there's these few things that are causing disruption in my workflow. <laughs> that's like, that's not the way it happens right now. The way it happens right now is like, oh, hell, what did I do wrong? What do you want me to do? What do I need to fix? What do I need to change? Because it's a transactional relationship right now. And once we help people understand, I'm coming to learn more about the problem and understand what's bugging you 
so that I can leverage my experience, responsibility, and influence as the leader to make it better for you and all of us. That takes months, years to kind of shift the relationship and help people understand that, yeah, yeah, I'm on your side. I'm, I am a support system. Yes, I'm going to write you up if you're violating policy and I'm going to help you make your work better. Right now, uh, leaders in the organization in almost any business, you don't really talk to them unless your butt is on the line. Or I mean, unless I unless it's just in the, the places I go to, I don't know, Brad, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's and, and essentially that's what you're speaking to, that it shouldn't just be that, though. It shouldn't just be, hey, I'm in the line of fire now, like there should be other training and implementation and systems and so forth. I know one thing that you have are the Jesse fives in relationship uh, live stream, right? <laughs> Yes. And I wanted to ask you what that was, because, of course, I had that teaser and I was like, I need to ask Jesse about that. Oh, man. Thanks. So that's five S uh, in relationships, uh, lean in love. So, oh, man, that's a that's I'll, I'll try to keep it concise. So five S is a system like in the it's a tool, right? Uh, sort, set, shine, standardize, sustain. It's a way the manufacturing system used to run through those again. What were they? Yeah. A sort, uh -huh. set, shine standardize and sustain. So sort in my operate, whatever work I'm doing, sort out all the things that are not absolutely necessary for that operation. So think about your, the, the bed of your truck, the passenger seat in your truck, or that one drawer at home that has everything in there. <laughs> and you lose all kinds of time trying to find the one thing you need, right? The solution, sort, get rid of the junk that you don't need in there. Done. The next is set. Where should everything, like all the critical components, tools, et cetera, where should they be so that I know where to put them? And also, if it's not there, that's a clear indicator like, uh oh, I got a problem. Something's missing. Shine is once you've established that, make sure you go and polish it up, clean up, dust it up, make sure things are where they're supposed to be. Standardized comes into place when you done did that. And usually the first time you do it, it's not optimal. So you're going to tweak it and tweak it and tweak it. And finally, it's like, okay, this is the way it needs to be. And if I have multiple people doing the same type of work, we should set them up this same way because we've proven the value of having this situation. Um, and then sustain is regularly auditing it, right? Go back and let's go check. Are we, are we cleaning our room? Yes or no. <laughs> and how do we help people clean their room? So that's kind of the five S's. Now, I was dating this amazing woman and our relationship um, was deteriorating. And she knew that I'm a lean nerd uh, and she was trying to help me understand that we had a problem. And it, I guess in my selfish mind, we didn't have a problem. She had a problem, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, duh. Uh, so like I said earlier, I wasn't always the greatest listener. Um, and so what she did was she contextualized that 5S system that's used in manufacturing and in construction and other industries to our relationship, <laughs> to like our personal relationship. So one example in sort uh, where, you know, remove all the stuff that you don't need. She got very specific. Remove um, resentment, remove distrust. Right. Like and she went on and on. And I'm like, oh, my, this is freaking brilliant like genius the way she did it and i knew it was going to be valuable for people 
Um, I also knew at the time I wasn't going to be able to do all of it. <laughs> like we, we had to work through it. So anyhow, I had those letters um, and for like three years and I was trying to like figure out how to share them with the world. Uh, and then finally I connected with Jennifer Lacey on another, I interviewed her on my podcast and then I listened, we were on a live stream together and it was clear to me that she had a deep appreciation for people and relationships. So I'm like, Hey girl, I got a crazy idea. <laughs> She's like, Oh, what are we talking about? I said, I got these letters. And I think if we have like, do a live stream conversation, you and I, and, and, and really like showing our dirt, like all the dumb things that we've done and how these ideas would help, would have helped that situation. I think we could help a lot of people. And she says, yeah, let's do it. So we had the live streams we had that started off. The plan was to have five. What surprisingly, um, and it was a beautiful thing. People showed up <laughs> and and construction professionals like, you know, people with huge influence in the industry with some of the biggest builders in the country showed up on Saturday at 8 a.m. Central and they showed up again and they showed up again. And they started adding, you know, their little tips and tricks or their mistakes and started getting really vulnerable and intimate in the things that they were sharing and asking. And so <laughs> that led to it started with five. Then we stretched it out to seven because Thomas LeMay, a buddy of mine, pointed out that like, man, like our a lot of the um, substance abuse, uh, suicide, et cetera, that our, our industry is suffering from is largely because of the relationships that don't exist, like not only on at work and on site, but the personal relationships are suffering because of the magnitude of time and effort and energy that we just dedicate to doing work. Um, and I said, oh my God, okay, this is a bigger responsibility. So we added two more live streams to that. And then I guess this, the, that ended up sprouting uh, a book. So we turned that into a book, uh, the, the live streams, kind of, yeah, almost like a comic book. We turned that into Lean in Love, 5S Love Letters. And we also, Jennifer Lacey and I have been doing the No BS with Jen and Jess, which is a live stream every other Saturday. And what we talk about is like the human side of construction, uh, or maybe more broadly, the human side of business. And it's just imperfect conversations about what we've experienced, what we've done wrong, what we learned. And, and the people that show up and contribute in the comments on the live stream, they're really the ones that make bring all the value in that show. I love that you do that. Um, how, how have you seen that benefit doing the live show, you know, especially with audience? Man, so like I'll, I'll be, let me be selfish first and then I'll talk about the audience. <laughs> so for me, you know, I didn't understand the value of marketing. Uh, and even though, you know, my business is about 20 months old now, um, but it was actually through doing the live streams that I understood or yeah, that I understood that I actually have credibility. <laughs> like people, because I was visible and, you know, sharing whatever I was sharing, um, people reached out to me for services. And I'm like, whoa, I did not, like that wasn't the goal, but it's, it's a what byproduct. It was a byproduct, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so then I, you know, I would ask like, okay, like what motivated, well, I watched your live stream, or I heard your podcast and I watched it like, it's like, okay, but awesome. 
what was it in that that helped you pick me? And in one case, a specific case, they said, well, we've been looking for a consultant to help us with this nerdy stuff. We've had one in the past and they were staunchy and, and our people hated them. But your style, your relaxed style, and the fact that you come from the field, like our people would love you. That's why. I'm like, oh. So then it's like, oh, people are looking for a wacko like me and social media live streaming can help them find me. And also it helps other people that think like every now and like, cause I'll post clips, right? And they're only the clips of the smartest thing that accidentally comes out of my mouth. <laughs> so it could be misleading, right? People could think like that guy's really smart. Um, but if you watch a whole episode, you know, like, yeah, he's not really that smart. And so they get to like, it attracts and repels. So that's like the huge, like a personal selfish value for me uh, about the live streaming. Now, in terms of the community, because it absolutely has turned into a community because people show up regularly, they're inviting their friends, they're inviting colleagues, and it continues to grow and grow. And it was, a, it was, it was, a, it was an odd thing, or it's, and it kind of still is, except I'm used to it because it happens frequently. You know, people are sharing some pretty intimate things in the chat on the live stream. I am, but that's my style, right? Like, I, I'll just say whatever. It's all true. Um, I'm not embarrassed by it. Well, most of it. Anyways, <laughs> and so they'll share like really intimate details and then we'll talk to them and, and they're like, yeah, I've never shared this with anybody. And what's mind blowing is they're sharing it in the most, like the riskiest venue possible. It's on, it's on the damn internet where everybody can see it. And so our takeaway was like, man, these people have families. These people have friends. These people have, you know, work colleagues. And in those venues, they can't share this, but with us, they can. So it's a gift, right? It's a huge gift. So we had to examine, why is it that people are opening up with their fears, their aspirations, et cetera, mistakes? Why is it they're opening up with us online for the world to see and not doing it outside in their like face-to-face, -face, their IRL, right? They're in re real life connections. Um, and so what we landed on so far is partly like there's maybe two big elements. One is the vulnerability that Jennifer and I um, demonstrate on the live stream. People can feel that like, you know, it's for real. Two is we're supporting each other. We're not judging each other. We're not biting each other. We're not using that um, weakness or mistake as ammunition for a future argument. Like, so we're demonstrating what psychological safety looks like. And because that's what the audience is experiencing, they're in a condition where they feel safe and they trust and they know nobody in the comments. And that's kind of super interesting too. We haven't had any trolls in the comments at all. And so they share and guess what? The rest of the community jumps in and says, hey, if you got that problem, I'm gonna connect with you because I just went through that. I wanna share what I know. Like it's really truly become this community. And then like right now, there's so many people that have been a part of the group that are now starting to like challenge their comfort zones. Um, Sarah Ganella started a live stream, uh, Bring Out Your Badass Self. And she's, she credits us with motivating her to do that. Lance Furiyama is doing all kinds of stuff. And he credits the group for, you know, getting the confidence or courage to go out and do that thing. So it's, it is 
like ultra, ultra fulfilling. And it was really just a product of having a dumb idea and putting it out there and seeing how the world responds. I, I love that. And, and your comment about the trolls, I thought was interesting. And then I, I would imagine it's because, you know, most people engaging on a platform want to challenge themselves. They want to be better. And so it's kind of an open forum where you're not maybe on a more general, you know, social media website or something, you know, and you, you know what I mean? And so you're, you're having people that are probably more adaptive to, to better themselves. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, actually, you're helping me understand why. <laughs> because the majority of the people that sh show up for the live stream are on LinkedIn, because we live stream on LinkedIn, and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. But the like the concentration of the comments come from people on LinkedIn. And so so maybe that's a large reason why because on LinkedIn, I mean, really, the only trolling I ever really see is this is LinkedIn, this ain't Facebook, right? Like besides <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. there's not a whole lot of people making themselves look like a dummy. Well, that's why I love LinkedIn. I mean, I, it, it's not just from the trolling side, but you know, you're dealing with professionals on LinkedIn. Yes. And so they're going to be a lot, majority are going to be less prone to, uh, to be super negative or trolling like you'd see maybe on, you know, X or right. TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, right? Where they can be more anonymous, but LinkedIn, it's a profile. It's a professional, like you're, you know, people are watching and whether you're a business owner or you're working for someone, you know, there's still that, um, accountability, if you will. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Well, speaking of LinkedIn, I was listening to your, your most recent, in, uh, interview and you all mentioned the LinkedIn conference or something. I'm, I was like, what is that? I've never heard of that. Like, what what is it yeah so there's there's a lot of different groups on linkedin professionals that will have conferences and um joel who is someone i'm connected to on on um linkedin he had set up a, a global conference this was 2018-19 i mean it was five years ago out in new york and he had been connected with a lot of um call it LinkedIn voices. You know, some people are mm -hmm. very active on LinkedIn and they get the LinkedIn voice like Q Harrison Terry, who was on that you were listening to. He's one of the top influencers on LinkedIn. So he was a speaker out there. And so essentially it was a, a conference with a lot of people that have a lot of um, impact and big following on LinkedIn that went to this conference. And I was fortunate to be there and be invited to that and oh. network. And I think it's really important. I, I know you mentioned marketing. I, I've always found a lot of value networking with people outside of construction, right? Business, yes. healthcare, tech. I mean, absolutely um, it, it, anything like, and, and so with LinkedIn, what's interesting is you'll find these different conferences that are specifically catered to like people that are active on LinkedIn. And so I, I would search those out. I mean, that's how I was connected. And, um, I've, I've just found again, Q Harrison came on and I've, yeah. I've met some incredible people through LinkedIn over the years. So is it invite only? Well, that's a good question. So this one that I attended, they, uh, it wasn't invite only. I mean, of course oh. there was like a registration. So anyone can go that was on LinkedIn and you know, if they do another one, Jesse, I'll let you know right away and I'll Dude, broadcast please. on my channel because it was just a big networking event. And so people came in from all over the country and world. They were, uh, we had speakers all throughout the night and different panels and other things that were, um, just some really, really talented people that were there and that have influences in their spaces. And I, 
it was interesting because one of the ladies that was there, and I forget her name now, but she's in healthcare and she has a huge following. And she made a comment. She said, personal branding is permanent job security. And that's always stuck with me, you know, since that, that, yeah, that it's just there. and, And it's not like her whole like focus wasn't like an ego thing of personal branding. It's just right. the reality as you're speaking of relationships and, you know, the point of sale are people that understand what you're selling and they understand the value add that you bring. And, you know, you have to continue to educate that over and over to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, like in preparation for that, cause I imagine if I'm Brad getting ready for this thing, I'm like, man, there's going to be some ballers out there. <laughs> How do you like how do you frame your mindset to go and connect and and especially like connect outside of the industry? Because I'm a huge proponent of that. But how do you frame your mind so that you can really be super, super present and expand your network such that it'll help you grow in exponential ways? That's a really good question. And, you know, I've I've given that a lot of thought over the years. I found that I'm pretty curious person and I enjoy meeting people, professionals. I think I've always been fascinated by a lot of my clients that I build for here in Scottsdale, Phoenix. They come from all different backgrounds and they come from all different businesses. None of them are like the other. It's not like there's this common recipe out there, right? So I've always been fascinated on how they've, excuse me, streamlined their business. And so I think with anything, like when I go to a construction conference, it's, it's a little bit easier, even if I don't know anyone, because there's common threads. We're in building. Mm. I can ask building questions, right? I re- can relate right. to them. It's pretty old with icebreakers. When you go to one like this LinkedIn one, I'm probably one of the only builders there. Like everyone yeah. else is from other spaces. So there's no doubt it's a little bit more intimidating, but I found that anything you can do to get out of your comfort zone, you should do. And so there's, I feel like Every time I'm offered something that's way out of my comfort zone, I'm like, I'm in. And then there's an anxiety leading up to it, but then you finish your lock. Okay, I can go next one. So it's the building blocks. And so I just, that's me personally that I'm always trying to find a way to challenge myself to kind of look outside of it. Awesome. Hell yeah. 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 Okay, good, good. I'm ready. When I get the invite, I'm going to say, okay, (laughs) challenge yourself, Jess. (laughs) (laughs) Challenge yourself and make it happen. So for you, Jesse, I mean, you mentioned 20 months now, like speak to kind of the focus of your operation business. I mean, your expertise, you've had years of experience now. You're an author, as I mentioned early on, you know, now you're at the cultivation of putting all this together. What does that look like today for you? Oh man. You know, I was actually just journaling about this and I'll, and I'll maybe just throw that in there. Like blocking out an hour of thinking time minimum every day. If I wouldn't have done that, I would not have been able to adapt to what the market wanted from me. (laughs) So when I started my business, I 100 expected 100% expected to be doing like last planner training, five S training, eight ways training, which are all like just tools. Um, what it's turned into now is, you know, I'm helping a a few organizations, a couple of organizations with like a lean transformation or organizational transformation. Um, and like, that's not too far. That's kind of like in center field, (laughs) right? Like outside of the the batter's box, but it's in center field. So it's still in the field. So it kind of make, it was a, maybe a logical, Connect, there's a logical connection between what I'm doing and what I expected to be doing. Um, the thing that's like way out in the soccer field, like no business, because I ain't a soccer player, uh, is around this kind of communication thing and um, improving the work 
on like when I say improving the work, I'm talking about hands-on installation of whatever system trade you can think of. Uh, and so I was doing some reflecting. It's like, okay, this is what I wanted it to be. <laughs> this is what it is. Uh, how did that happen? And what do I do with that going into next year? And so in looking at, like, it was just kind of a revenue study, right? I got 80% of my revenue coming in from, I'll call it in-face, in-person, face-to-face uh, consulting, whatever that is. And 20% coming from sweat equity improvement, which is this getting into the work, studying it and redesigning it and making it better for the people that are doing the work. The other portion, like piece of that is emotional bungee jumpers, which is precisely designed to help us break the solutionizer habit and become better listeners and learn how to uh, like cultivate connectivity. The thing about those two is those are like the most impactful things that I do. And when I say impactful, I mean like, you know, I'm an addict, right? <laughs> like for real. <laughs> I'm just over seven years sober uh, and I need instant gratification. And so organizational transformation, I love it, but it's a huge investment in terms of time, not just for me, but for the company. And so it's a real heavy lift. Usually their concern is not the dollars of the deal. It's the amount of time that their executives and leaders need to be offline to go through the learning and the practice of what they learn, right? That's hard for a business. Um, sweat equity improvement and emotional bungee jumpers like I get the instant fix every session because <laughs> I can see the light bulbs going on. I can see the shift in their thinking. And it's like, hell yeah, give me more. I want more. So my goal for next year, because of the impact that those two things have and the fulfillment that it brings me, my goal next year is how do I flip that? How do I make 80% of my revenue come from sweat equity improvement and emotional bungee jumpers and 20% come from the face-to-face uh, consulting. And, and so that's kind of the nugget that I'm, I'm chewing on right now, because like, ultimately, I clearly see that the leaders out there in the construction industry, and I'm not going to say companies, because every company has a snazzy landing page that says how awesome they are, right? <laughs> It all comes down to the leader on site or the leader in the department, the leader in the trade. I see a future where the leaders that demonstrate, systematically demonstrate appreciation for the men and women doing the work and provide a space for them to thrive and grow are going to smoke the competition. And and the two things, emotional bungee jumper, sweat equity improvement, I am convinced will get people to that end. And so now it's just figuring out how do I get more people into it and how do I, you know, expand that so that I can prove it. It's probably going to take, you know, 20 or 30 years, but I'm excited about it. So that's what I'm going to do. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. It's funny. I wrote this down because you can't think of a more descriptive analogy than emotional bungee jumping. So <laughs> yep. that's pretty, that, that hits home and you definitely make your point there. And also congrats on the sobriety. I mean, that, that's a huge, Thank you. Jesse. So commend you on that. Um, it's interesting when you said, what is it? What will it be thinking about your business? Anyone, as you're saying, I could relate. Cause when I started mine, I kind of had anticipation of what 
I wanted AFT to be, right? And where yep. we are today. And I feel it's a lot more clear on the direction we're going. And you kind of have to pivot and whether make mistakes or lost revenue or this didn't work or frustrated client here, yep. whatever it is. And you kind of pivot your business to really understand your wheelhouse, what your strength is. And then, as you mentioned, going back to your five S's, you know, your sorting, which is what you mentioned. That's what I've had to do then setting and the shining. And then of course, standardizing and, you know, then the audit side, right. Which comes yep. in and sustain, but it's funny how that you're, you just said that, that you're sorting, you know, to start out and here you are now with that awakening. Yeah. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. It, it's, you know, then that's a, because I'm psychotic or maybe more accurately obsessive about things, you know, that 5S system. <laughs> yeah. So many people I talk like, look at this 5S. They're like, Jesse, you're nuts. Like, do you ever turn it off? Like, no, I don't turn it off. I don't know how, or the button's broken. Um, but like, I'm not going to teach or advocate for a system or a solution that I don't know and apply and use on the regular. And, and so when it comes to like a lot of this lean stuff, especially lean construction, there's a lot of other systems that I have, like, I don't have no experience with them. Um, because in my evaluation, I'm like, oh, that's going to be really hard for me to apply in my day to day in my life, which means I am not very going to be very well equipped to help people through the human side of learning the damn thing. And so what I mean by that is I know how hard 5S is because I've done it. <laughs> I've done it in my truck. That's a damn mess. Now <laughs> I've done it in the drawer. That's a damn mess now. And I kind of do it. It's a part of my thinking now. And so when people have a question of like, well, how do you, what do you, how do you do that? I can draw from the weird human experiences of actually applying it day to day, like into my day to day stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I'm glad that came across and that, yeah, like I'm sorting and setting. <laughs> that's where I'm at. Shining, man, that's probably going to be a 2025 thing. That, that, that's what I'm prepared for right now. Uh, but there's there's a method and it works. I love that because, yeah, step one and two, you're working through step three takes a little time. And then yep. from there, it takes some time. And I think most of us lack the patience. So, Jesse, as you look back at, you know, this illustrious career and experience you've had, best advice you've been given? Oh, man, you know, the best advice I've been given came from pipe fitter, um, Mr. Ed Mauricio. I was his help for, for like a couple of years and he totally changed the game for me. And his advice was make a decision and go with it. <laughs> and like that was it. And so context, right? Um, he was the fitter welder and he was training me and he did a hell of a job. And so my job was to go and do all the layout and get the dimensions and get the cut pieces so that he would cut and weld. This way we were able to like smoke it, right? We could, we out on, we out installed everybody. Um, and as he was cutting and welding and fitting, I was putting hangers and, you know, keeping the progress going. And whenever it came to tying in air handlers or VAVs in a mechanical room, which is pretty congested, mm -hmm. my output in terms of layout and, and getting dimensions would slow down dramatically. And I just assumed it's because mechanical rooms are complicated. <laughs> and he's like, no, dude, it's because you can't make a damn, like you take forever and then I've watched you. And he's like, make a decision and go with it. And I'm like, yeah, but what if? He's like, what if whatever? Make a decision, go with it. We'll get, it will 
prove that it was a good idea or prove that it was a bad idea. And if it's a bad idea, we're closer to being finished anyways. If you don't make a decision, you are not moving. And I was like, that has, I've used that in my life in especially starting my business and making business decisions, like make a damn decision and go with it because I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn. If I don't make a decision, I'm going to be in the stands watching everybody smoke my butt. And I don't like that. That is not the option I want. I, I love that. Either way, you're going to sort like you're going to figure it. out and, make, yeah, and, and get phase one done. So you can get to phase two and three of the, the five phase chart there. Uh, what do you do for fun? Oh, <laughs> damn. I was asked this question the other day and I'm like, oh, man, here we are again. Um, I'll say I'll answer that by saying what I think I do for fun is like salsa dancing um, and hanging out with friends. Uh, ask me the last time I did that, it's probably been a year or two. So the truth would be learning stuff. And so like right now, because of the transition I plan to make next year, I have to learn a whole lot about building a business online. And so lead generation, landing pages, conversion, copywriting, A-B testing, like all of that is where I spend my free time. You know, I exercise, I run, I walk a few miles a day every day, and I'm consuming this type of content. <laughs> and so um, that's probably the truth behind what I do for fun. Oh, I love that. Well, you know, when you in integrate business and you have passion for it, you know, it's still a fun part of it, right? And, and challenging yourself. Uh, what's upcoming and exciting and where can all listeners find you? Oh, man. So upcoming and exciting short term this Saturday, we have Jen and I have a live stream uh, at 8 a.m. Central. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the title or the question that we're going to examine is, have your defense mechanisms betrayed you? <laughs> and so I'm expecting that to be messy and, and super revealing. Um, long term, LinkedIn, like if we connect with you on LinkedIn, we can get access to tune in for the live show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, so there's, there's a couple of ways connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, no BS with Jen and Jess. We have like a business page of no BS with Jen and Jess. You can find us there. Um, and yeah, please connect and show up and leave a comment or just be a lurker. Lurker. I love lurkers too, right? Because people aren't maybe not confident yet in commenting. Um, so that's like super short term exciting. Um, long term exciting, like I said, is this idea of of this sweat equity improvement. Right now, that thing has uh, has all of my dang attention and I'm fixing to start another group. It's virtual learning. So that starts January 10th. Uh, and, and I'm really excited to do some mind twisting with people that sign up. Um, there's seven spots open. And if, you know, the best, the, I am active on like all the socials except for Snapchat, uh, just cause I don't want to create, have to learn another damn password. Um, <laughs> but I'm hyperactive on LinkedIn every day. I've got to post a video, a thought, something out there. So I'd love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn. I think Jesse Depth Builder, if you type that in, you can find me. Um, and then on my, my website, which is depthbuilder.com. And I also want to throw out there, you know, we talked a lot at the very beginning about 
communication and listening and connecting with people. Um, I, I'm experimenting with a an email course to help people that that are very transactional, kind of build the habit of being relational. And so I put an email course together. It's called Visible Leadership, uh, and you get it's five emails, one every day for five days and there's very specific precise instructions of like go to the job site <laughs> budget 20 minutes ask these questions do that again and it kind of builds upon itself it's kind of progressive and so if anybody was interested on trying that out uh it's uh, depthbuilder.com forward slash visible leadership it's free um and so far people have said like man that was really uncomfortable going to a trade that i've never talked to before and just ask them where they're from. Why did they pick this trade? How is this job better or worse than the last project you're on? And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. We never have these human conversations. And so that's the purpose of that email course. That's incredible. Well, Jesse, you've been amazing. I know you're super busy and want to be gracious for your time you've given us. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, my man. I appreciate it. Damn good, damn good job of interviewing, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Makes it easy with a guest such as yourself. So thank you. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address guests that we should have on. And even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support and we'll see you next time.